You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. What's up, everybody? Sarah Spain with you on a Thursday. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. No Fitz tonight. Should be back tomorrow so we could break down those championship games in the NFL, get you ready for a big weekend of football. We're going to get into some of that today, the matchups, but also a lot of coaching news today in the NFL, including some just primo sound, the kind of sound that you hear and, and you thank the content gods for, and, and you also kind of uh, wonder what year it is and, and what it all means. We're going to get to that in a minute. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Going to have a lot of guests join me on this solo Spain adventure tonight to talk about the new head coach of the Eagles, to talk about Mahomes and his status and what it looks like for the Chiefs ahead of this weekend. Uh, we anticipate and we're crossing our fingers for a former Bills player to join us to get into their side of the story um, and talk a little NBA as they continue to struggle with some of the COVID stuff. Um, and we saw the debut of the Nets big three. We're going to start with the coaching news. Almost all of the coaching head coaching positions, at least in the NFL, have been filled six of seven. The only one left now is the Texans. Um, and that means that uh, as of now, based on, on percentages, we are off to another year that's going to be predominantly served by uh, non-men of color um, in in the NFL. Uh, Robert Sala, the, the lone hire, I think, at the head coaching position right now. And we're also seeing a fair amount of names that were not the usual, not the guys floated around um, in recent years. A bit of a surprise. And that includes the new head coach for the Eagles. Uh, this, this, this is uh, one of those hires that, you, you kind of wonder whether they needed to make the move so fast because Nick Sirianni, while plenty of people are saying positive things about the hiring, is not a name that it felt like uh, everybody was looking to grab and that you might lose him either to the Texans or to another team as a coordinator. Uh, but the Eagles went and, and nabbed him today. Uh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts, I should say, offensive coordinator, uh, setting in uh, on the job of replacing Doug Peterson, uh, which we didn't realize was going to be an opening until more recently. But now it feels like uh, the big question mark will be Carson Wentz. He seems to be inheriting a starting quarterback in Wentz that at one point many of our analysts were saying wouldn't see another snap. And now it feels like this hire is all about figuring out how to best use Carson Wentz. Now, Initial reports from some sources said he's a, a smart guy, maybe not super smart. He's a good coach, maybe not the best. And is he a guy with enough gravitas and reputation and strength to come in to a team that, if they could figure out the Wentz situation, is in the middle of a Super Bowl window? Uh, on the opposite side is what Dan Orlovsky had to say, kind of differing opinion from many of the sources we heard right after the hire. Here's what he had to say on NFL Live about his sources and Sirian. This is the ideal, outstanding hire for Carson Wentz. So I reached out to some people that might know Sirianni a little bit better than me. Um, said the, this is absolute, it is the absolute steal of the hiring process. Best coach I've ever been around. Incredibly detailed, a great leader, um, has a great understanding of defenses and um, how to attack them. A phenomenal game planner, a fiery leader, great listener. I mean, everything that you think you want in a head coach and then someone who's got an offensive mindset. But this all comes down to Carson Wentz, right? This this all comes down to, one, can they get Carson Wentz to want to stay in Philadelphia? And two, can they get him back to that 2017-2019 stretch? Yeah, and, and a lot of people give a lot of credit to Frank Reich as being a part of that 
development for for Carson Wentz and and the play that he had in that year leading to the Super Bowl. Uh, So this is clearly the connection they're making here with Sirianni. Uh, As always, way too early to tell if this will be a success for the team. But it does surprise when there are other bigger names out there that have been in the mix and been floated around even that just interviewed with the Eagles. We'll talk to an Eagles uh, expert coming up soon on the show and get his thought on it. Uh, uh, We also had... Lions news. And last night, Fitz and I went back and forth. Fitz loved the idea of giving the new Lions head coach, Dan Campbell, six years because he feels like you need to really invest in someone and and let them believe that they have the time to remake a team and a roster without feeling the pressure of immediately being let go. I said that I don't trust the Lions enough to make a decision on a head coach that's likely to stick. And you didn't need to give a guy named Dan Campbell, who's never been a coordinator in the league, that kind of Money in that kind of time. You, no one was fighting you for him. You could grab him. Now he's had some time as interim head coach, but this is a guy who's not been in this mix and hasn't been um, a successful coordinator for a team where where I thought they needed to give him so long. And I feel even more like that after hearing his introductory presser today. Again, this is just the first words out of his mouth. This doesn't tell you about X's and O's and strategy and leadership, but it's an interesting way for someone to introduce themselves to a city and a team, particularly when he said, I'm not going to give you a lot of coach speak. And then he said this. This place has been kicked. It's been battered. It's been bruised. And I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't. But none of that matters. And you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that. So excuse my language. All right. Here's what I do know is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city. All right, and the city's been been down, and it found a way to get up. All right, it's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right, and so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right, and, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're they going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. All right, is doing a lot of work here. All right, uh, everything he says uh, is followed by all right, uh, and I'm a little bit not all right with the idea of biting kneecaps. I feel like the penalty yards for a kneecap biting is probably pretty prohibitive. And he mentioned he's going to get one kneecap and then the other and then take another hunk out of you. Didn't specify from where. I would like to know where the third bite will be coming from. Uh, I also would like to know if in the year 2021 people respond to this meaningfully. I saw someone tweet out, there's a lot of guys in, in shirts one size too small that just fell in love. Saw someone else say this is some real 2 and 14 energy. I guess Dan Campbell also said, when you come in here, you're going to get beat up. I'm talking about the team, not the city. Tourists are welcome. (laughs) It's kind of a funny line. Again, it's just the things he says at the start. There's plenty more to actually hear about strategy and game plan. A guy who, again, has never called plays or been a coordinator. 12 games as interim head coach for the Dolphins back in 2015. He played for 10 seasons um, and was the Saints assistant head coach and tight ends coach. Uh, so maybe there's some more X's and O's that we can hear from. But right now he sounds like a, a strength coach and one that should be closely monitored for how he treats the players. 
In fact, it also reminded me of one of my favorite movies. See if you can uh, see if you can uh, spot the similarities between what he said about the knee biting and, and, and the hunk biting and this. Now stand aside, worthy adversary. Tis but a scratch. A scratch? Your arm's off. Look, you stupid bastard, you've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look! It's just a flesh wound. Right, I'll do you for that. You're what? Come here. What are you going to do, bleed on me? Yeah, that's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, So we got that movie reference that came straight out of this presser, and we also got the fact that he's been told he's a little bit uh, reminiscent of the dude from The Big Lebowski. In fact, his nameplate with the Lions has his name, and it says head coach and the dude on it. It's cute if it works out. I don't think anyone in Detroit will abide if they have that 2-14 and 14 energy. Yet to be seen. But, man, this did not feel like a 2021 introductory presser. Coming up, we're going to get some reaction out of Philly on their new head coach. It's next on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I am on the air. No Fitz tonight, though. Just Spain. Solo Spain on Spain and Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can get some good pre-party, after-party goodies every once in a while that we only do digitally. And, of course, all the show stuff that you miss. Uh, Tonight, lots of NFL talk as we get ready for championship weekend, but also the head coaching positions getting scooped up. Just one remaining, the Texans. The Eagles, the latest to make their hire, and we're going to get an expert in here to join us and tell us how the city's reacting. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And to help me with that, John Kincaid, host of the new John Kincaid Show on 97.5, the fanatic in Philadelphia on the Goodyear Hotline. John, thanks for the time. Glad to hear that uh, you came to work tonight. That there's I know, one listen, person in the fandom dedicated to, to the yeah. show. Exactly. Yeah, listen, it's always, it's always going to be me that's here. Uh, whether or not I get help I, I, is, is really the question. I guarantee <laughs> it. I know that. I know who the, I know who, look, let, we know who the journalist and who the real media member is. <laughs> and we know who the, the poser, you know, just entertainer slash sports right. talk show host right. is. I know right. that. We Listen, know I didn't say there. it. Just uh, don't tell you, him. You said it. I did not say it. But yeah. <laughs> we have clipped that off for future usage, and I appreciate that. Uh, let's talk great. about this Eagles hire. So uh, the Colts offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, of course, we know of him as a coordinator. We don't necessarily know of him as a guy that was going to be in this mix for, for a head coaching gig. Here he is at 39, taking over a team that I think – if the quarterback situation gets fixed, is still in a window to contend. Were you surprised by the news of his hiring? I was very surprised, honestly, because I did not know anything about him, did not know his name um, until around Tuesday of this week. So it was a big surprise that, first of all, that he was getting interviewed, and then now that he ends up being the choice, I really kept thinking that it was going to be Joe Brady, the offense coordinator of the uh, Carolina Panthers, but I had sort of gotten word last night that he was not going to be the choice. So then I was expecting Josh McDaniels. And I've got to tell you, if I had a little bottle of bubbly to pop here in my apartment here in Philadelphia, as I'm by myself, my girl's still in Atlanta, um, I would uh, be popping it tonight because I did not want Josh McDaniels. So I don't know about Nick Sirianni, but I know this. When Dick Vermeil got hired, when Andy Reid got hired, when Doug Peterson got hired in this city, uh, we, we really knew nothing about them. We knew nothing about them as uh, whether they were ready to call plays, whether they were ready to run a program. And they all sort of worked out. So I'm going to gamble that 
uh, I'll, I'll, I'm at least willing to give the benefit of the doubt that they know who to hire and that uh, this guy has a chance to work out. Well, to your point about McDaniel, sometimes the best news lately really is who didn't get the job. But that's a conversation yes. for another time. Uh, yeah, character character rules him out of my book. Yeah, he yes. was the la- or the or the lack thereof. Yeah, well, not to mention the coaching book. tree for Belichick just not panning out the way many would imagine it. Yeah, would. there's no fruit on that tree. There, it, there it's really like isn't. Withered, it's like withered vines and uh, <laughs> and bad limbs. Uh, John Kincaid, the host of the new John Kincaid show on 97.5, the fanatic with me here on Spain and Fitz. Sirianni worked with uh, Frank Reich when Reich was the Chargers offensive coordinator in 2014 and 15 and uh, was his quarterback's coach there. That connection could be tied to the fact that Frank Reich was the OC in Philly when Wentz had his great campaign in 2017. You have to presume that that I know a guy who knows a guy is the reason that this ended up being the move they made because now, in complete contrast to middle of the season, it feels like this team is about rehabilitating and working around Wentz, right? Well, the one it, it does appear, but until Carson Wentz stops his you know mime routine and decides <laughs> to actually speak and tell us what he thinks, uh, we don't know. We don't know if he even wants to be here, Sarah. We don't know if he wants to be in this town anymore, which can, in, to me is can, it absolutely preposterous. Uh, that, that, that we're dealing with this because he has still not spoken. He let Doug Peterson exit this town without as much as an Instagram post to wish the guy well, to congratulate him on being a part of a championship club with him. So I'm a little, uh, out of sorts with Carson Wentz right now. I don't like it when professionals or the highest paid player in your organization decides to just go silent and, and mope around and, uh, uh, be afraid to speak for themselves. I think they've got problems with Wentz. So good luck, Nick Sirianni. Good luck because I see character issues with Wentz that scare me right now, that really scare me about whether they've, they've worried about fixing a guy who I'm not sure with some of the things I've seen displayed in his behaviors can be fixed. It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio, talking to John Kincaid. You can hear him on 97.5, the fanatic in Philly. The Eagles hiring a new head coach, Nick Sirianni, a name that not a lot of people thought was in the mix. We heard that Eric Bieniemy's agents were annoyed with the Eagles. We heard that the Eagles also did a bunch of interviews with with other folks, Arthur Smith, who got a job, Robert Sala, who got a job. Um, sure. So it, it, there was a lot of conversation around who would take over. Is there any? I heard someone react to this hiring with concern that he might be a puppet for the front office because he isn't someone who comes in with a a, a padded resume that would give him the kind of gravitas to speak up. After what went down with the last game of the season and the possible hints that Peterson might have been taking uh, direction from above, is there any concern that this is not someone who's going to have the power to have influence and make decisions on his own? Concern. Howie Roseman should have Geppetto on his business card (laughs) because he he honestly, he's looking to, I guarantee you, they're looking to attach the puppet strings right now. They are Mm. trying to see if they can get a guy. Now, that doesn't mean that Nick Sirianni won't end up being a great coach because Doug Peterson did a great job for a few years here before he let his locker room get completely out of control. But he did a great job as a coach, and he absolutely had to deal with the meddling owner, the meddling general manager, who want their say in too many things. So Sirianni's going to have to face those same challenges. But I guarantee you this, uh, he came with the blessing of Andy Reid. He comes with the blessing of Frank Reich. And in a lot of revisionist history, when you hear it told in Philadelphia, it's as if 
Frank Reich was the real reason they won that Super Bowl, not Doug Peterson. That has become a very popular point of view, the way things fell apart for Carson Wentz once Frank, uh, once Frank Reich left town for the Colts. So I, I wonder, you know, I know you're newer to Philly, but you obviously it's my are... It's my home, though, Sarah. It's always been right. my home and always been my team's. Yeah, we've had you on to talk about it even when you were sure. working in other markets, so we know the, the ties you have. Uh, before I let you go, I'm just wondering what you're hearing from the folks in Philly. You're, you're taking callers or you're hearing on your social media. Well, what do they think oh. of this hiring and, and the future for this team? Sarah, you know, you know Philly fans, they're very calm. They're very relaxed about it. They're I try not supportive. to generalize because <laughs> you guys don't take that can, very well over there. <laughs> no, all I can say is they're very, they're, um, this is a passionate place. This is a passionate town. There's a lot of people who thought Deuce Staley uh, from the staff deserved to be promoted to the head coaching position, and they know nothing about Deuce Staley's ability to lead men. They know nothing about his ability to be a head coach. He's never been an offensive coordinator either, but there's been a lot of that talk too. Um, it's, it's a, it is being met with cautious optimism. How about that? And when you hire an Italian guy in Philadelphia, <laughs> you're always going to get a few more months of uh, goodwill. There, you're, you're always going to get a little more uh, wiggle room in the hire. So we've got Joe Girardi now. Now we've got Sirianni. So, I mean, <laughs> things are working out pretty well. So uh, Philly fans, I think, are willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. But there's a lot of people that are very upset with the direction this franchise has gone the last couple of years, Sarah. Well, if we're going to generalize, we know the Italian restaurants in town are pleased that oh, the big families will be nice. coming in for some post-game dinners. Uh, John, Absolutely. thanks so much for the insight. Appreciate you coming on. Anytime, Sarah. Take care. John Kincaid, you can hear him. John Kincaid Show, 97.5 The Fanatic in Philly. Giving you the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, we'll head to Kansas City to get their local feelings on their superstar quarterback. How is Patrick Mahomes doing? Is he expected to play? And are we talking at all about the matchup with the Bills and what they're going to need to do to win this game or just about the quarterback's health? We'll get into it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. The solo Spain kind of night here on Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz will be back tomorrow, hopefully. Get you set for uh, championship NFL weekend. But we got some stuff to get through before we can get to Sunday, and that includes some big question marks about Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So joining us now on the Goodyear Hotline to get us up to speed, the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holthus, recently named the 2020 NSMA Missouri Sportscaster of the Year. So uh, they're picking up awards on the field and off it out in KC. Save some for somebody else, Mitch. Uh, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Hang on, sorry. Let me. I was watching the uh, Ivy League heptathlon. Okay, got it. Uh, hey, hey, if we were still doing, if we were in non-COVID times and we were doing jersey exchange, I would definitely hit you up for a Cornell track top. Nice, um, yeah. I need, I got to have one of those. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of excitement here. Quite honestly, it's to host a third consecutive AFC Championship game after 58 previous years of never doing so in franchise history. Uh, there's a lot of buzz here, of course. Mitch, you know, we had a super fan on last night, Heidi uh, Gardner from Saturday Night Live, and she said she got a little <laughs> too cocky this year, and she was like, oh, we're good now. I don't have to worry about all the playoff disasters and heartbreaks of the past. And then as soon as Patrick Mahomes went down, she's like, no, 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 no. It was just one year that we got that. The rest are going to be back to the to the past. Do you feel like there's that concern again in the city of, you know, we're, we're cursed and that was just one good year off? 
No, that's been taken care of. Actually, Andy Reid and, and Mahomes took care of it. Uh, when you look at this team, has won five playoff games now in the last three seasons, and with the only loss being the overtime loss to New England in the 2018 AFC Championship game, you're talking a three-year span where you can argue the best team in the league. And not only that, they've carried over two postseason success now three straight years. So I think the, all that talk's gone. Uh, and with this with this head coach and with this team, uh, you got to lock and get ready because Buffalo is really good. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holthus, with us here. We're figuring out what's happening with the toe, which maybe we're not talking about enough in terms of balance, in mm-hmm. terms of mobility. And then, of course, we've got the concussion protocol. And even that is sort of a gray area as people try to figure out, was it a quirky neck injury? Was it an actual concussion? What are you hearing from around your parts? Well, honestly, Sarah, the I think there was a maybe some error in what was reported early that it was a concussion. It, I think... Truthfully, he was entering the concussion protocol. If you get any sign, of course, now in the last several years, they've been just very vigilant in this league, and I'm glad they are. I've seen if anything, there's like some neurological issue, uh, including he got up and obviously was struggling, wobbling, that he's coming out. And then the independent neurologist on site's like, no go. He's not going back into the game. And first of all, let me say, I think it's a great step by the league. I think Commissioner Goodell, when he started in 2018 with this concussion protocol, which is very thorough and goes through this five steps, which fans may think it's laborious, but it is not. And honestly, there are no shortcuts, Sarah. You can't, everyone know Monday at six, Tuesday at seven, Wednesday at nine. Is he playing? What's he going? What's, you can't skip any steps. And honestly, I would tell you that he's been to first and been to second and headed to third. It's like a ground ball single to left. And is he going to score? Is he not? Or is he going to hold him at third? And I think right now, it's, he's getting to third base, and they'll probably hold him at third and wait until tomorrow. But honestly, it's the process. And the league put this in play several years ago, and it's really a good thing to protect the game. I think you'd have to say, and you might agree, that you know, in the olden days, they'd have probably put him back in the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah. not anymore, not in this uh, day and age, and I'm glad. They're protecting the game, and I love it because I love the game. Yeah, to your point, uh, once you enter that concussion protocol, it actually doesn't matter if you had a concussion. If they feared you have one, once you're in it, you have to get out of it, which means passing all of the steps and uh, hitting all of the baselines that they look for. It sounds, by all accounts, that he'll be back. Um, it sounds like he will be able to play. But quickly, if he can't, have you been practicing the, the Chad Henney lesser-known calls? Because anything is possible is already a shirt. <laughs> you're going to need to get more creative than that. You know what? It's keeping me up at night because I'm thinking, <laughs> how many times can you use any Henny, Henny yeah. Penny? Henny Given that. Sunday we, is also out yeah. there for you, you know. Do we start limericks and nursery rhymes? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, phenomenal job. Two things. One, um, just a guy that had played 13 years in the league, and Sarah never played in a playoff game, ever. And he got thrown in in the ninth inning. This would be like Mariano Rivera can't throw the ninth. He's got arm trouble, and you're bringing in some guy. Who's this guy, Henny? Yeah, he was at like AAA, you know, and then and he strikes out the side. I mean, that's what it was like. But also here, and what is uh, really overlooked, easily overlooked, is the genius of Andy Reid and the depth of his preparation. This is the eighth season that I've been with him, and he is amazing. I don't have an adjective to his depth of preparation. Who's going over on Saturday night with Chad Henny and Mahomes? Going, well, hey, what's your favorite fourth down play there, dude? What do you think? Because what are we thinking Saturday night? What's Henny's chances of playing, like 0.03%? Right. What do you think if it's fourth down and short and the game's on the line and our season's on the line? What do you think, bud? What do you want to run? 
But that's the way Andy Reid is. So very thorough in his approach. I've seen him work on that stuff in the summertime. No OTA is for not. Uh, everything matters. Every mini camp, every training camp, uh, he drills it down so deep that he's he's tough to prepare for. I've watched this guy eight years, and I can't tell you, Sarah, based on down and distance or or personnel, what he's going to run. There is no way you can predict it or see tendencies. It's Spain and Fitz. Mitch Holthus, the voice of the Chiefs, with us here on the Goodyear Hotline talking about the upcoming AFC Championship. Let's talk about the other side. Two very different games for the Bills. Their defense gave up 472 yards to the Colts, and they eked past. Then their offense managed only 10 points, you know, against you know the Ravens. They didn't have to do much. So what are we seeing? Can we get this team to show up on both sides of the ball? Because they're going to need to in order to beat the Chiefs, or... What what weakness could possibly come up that would allow the Chiefs to lose this game if Mahomes is out there? Sarah, it's a phenomenal question because I don't think it's being discussed enough. And these two teams have a lot of similarities. If you look at the grade card and just statistically, and then you also go beyond just the obvious base subjects of third down, red zone, and look deeper, you see a lot of similarities here between these two teams. But let's go to the defensive side. They're also similar. They will not light you up. They're not going to make the honor roll necessarily uh, with the base subjects, but here's what they do. They win games, both of these defenses. This day and age of defensive football has become who can mitigate the offense, meaning you're not just getting trucked, and two, who can steal a possession. Honestly, I thought the Baltimore Ravens had that game about where they wanted it because, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody can, can dive in on this, but that wind, the wind was a big factor. I, mean, I grew up in the Kansas-Nebraska border where wind's a factor mm-hmm. in football games. And it looked like that Harbaugh is going to get the wind in the fourth quarter, that he elected to take the wind, thinking if we're going to run the ball and just keep it away from Josh Allen, we'll burn up his third quarter. And if we're in striking distance, we've got him. He's driving to tie the game into the wind. What happens? 101-yard pick six by Taron Johnson. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is a very opportunistic defense. They'll steal a possession. They will mitigate your offense to the point, and that's why they won 13 games. But Steve Spagnuolo has done the same thing. He and Leslie Frazier came into the league together with Coach Reed down in the basement of the old veteran stadium in Philadelphia, like here in the rats, right? Chase the cats. Um, <laughs> I was talking to some guys this week about it. But the point is the Chiefs do the same. You're going, well, gosh, they don't, they don't glide up the board here, defensive numbers, but the Chiefs have been spectacular, getting stops when they need to, mitigating offenses, because only two teams have scored 30 points on them. Uh, Raiders did it twice, and the Panthers did it. That's it. And they had to play Tom Brady in Tampa. They had to play Drew Brees in New Orleans. They played the Ravens in Baltimore, and they beat the Bills in Buffalo. Nobody had that challenge. But they slow down offenses, and they'll steal a possession, or they'll take it and score off of it. And these two teams have the uh, almost the same approach defensively. It's impressive. Yeah, this, this matchup will look different from when they last played because the Bills have gotten even better and more mature. But it will also look different because, to me, it feels like, and you've watched them closely, the Chiefs have been saving stuff for their best opponents. Not that they were bored during the season, but it felt like they were always holding back a little until they needed it, sometimes to a fault where they'd get behind to a lesser team. Uh, before we let you go, we're kind of running out of time, but do you think that's the case, that they sort of were biding their time against some of the lesser teams and saving the good stuff for what we'll probably see this weekend in the Super Bowl if they make it back? Sarah, I don't. Hear, hear me out on this. I think it became more of a fatigue factor. This was a long, hard climb to 14-2, and two, and they lost one of the games because they didn't play their starters. I mean, they could be 15-1. and one. 
But it was a, a tough road schedule. I just laid it out. Plus, they had to win at Miami. And then the, everybody was loading up on him. I don't want to say this is arrogance, but people were just loading up double shot cannon shots at him, doing things that they had not done all year as far as scheme. So they were just climbing, and it was a tough climb. And so it wasn't like, well, let's save some stuff or, or hey, we're bored with this team. They go, okay, they're throwing stuff at us and throwing us off. I just think there was a fatigue factor in there. This team is now refreshed. That bye week and actually having that week 17 off, essentially, has really helped this team. So it's all, uh, everything's blazing here uh, with both sides of the ball, all three phases, actually. This is a rested team and a ready team. And they, too, have improved in many ways because people wanted, people wanted the Chiefs to blow people out, Sarah. But to me, in any sport, it could be Cornell or Smith Center, Kansas, the team that wins a whole bunch of close games all the time, to me, is a team that's poised to be a champion. And this Kansas City team has proven that. That's where they really improved this year is taken. And they won a game a variety of ways. They won it 10 different ways to win a game. And so this team's actually better, in my opinion, than a year ago. Yeah, and you take those memories of winning different ways. And, of course, you take last year's comebacks and abilities to get behind and still win. Uh, and you can use that going forward if you're in that situation again. Mitch, uh, hopefully Pat will be out there on Sunday. Patrick, sorry, sorry, Patrick's mom. Uh, Patrick will be out there on, on, on Sunday. We look forward to the game. Thanks for the time. I'm telling you, he's standing at third, Sarah. We'll know more <laughs> right. tomorrow, but we'll he's standing see. at third base. We'll see. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holt is with us here on right. Spain and Fitz, looking ahead to that AFC championship game on Sunday. Uh, we'll get back to football in just a little bit, but coming up, the NBA's new Big Three made their debut last night. We'll tell you how it went. It's next, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. This ain't invited to tonight's show either. It's a solo Spain, Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz, hopefully back tomorrow. Talk a little NFL, get you ready for Sunday, do our picks. I think he might still be up on me by a game, so we're going to have to remedy that. Uh, We'll get back to football. I want to get into some NBA after we saw the debut of the Nets' big three last night. Uh, Spain and Fitz brought to you by Progressive and brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Nets were driving their way to a win with their new big three, and then Colin Sexton got in the way. A double OT game in which they allowed one of the worst offensive teams in the league to look pretty darn efficient. And that's going to be the issue with this team, of course. We've said it since they first floated the idea of putting Harden and KD and Irving together. Great offensively. Who's going to play defense? And what we saw last night was surprising, I think, only in the amount of minutes. And I think that said to you that this was an important game for them. Whether or not it should be as a one-game sample size, they know that the media, myself included, are going to be gas-bagging about that first game more so than any other because it's our first look at how the three play together. And that's why you saw 48 minutes, 50 minutes, even for Kyrie coming off of two weeks' break. Also because they gave away a lot of players in the trade. And between that and injuries, they don't have that many bodies. But still, that's a lot of minutes for for these guys. Um, and at the end of it, they came up short to the Cavs. Double overtime loss. James Harden afterwards said a surprising word multiple times as the key to whether they will find success. Communication. That's that's it. You know, we're all we all have a very you know great skill set. It's just communication of where we want each other to be. You know, when things are going great, when things are going bad, and 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 that's all that matters. You know, if we're on the same page, we have that communication. Uh, we have a very good chance of uh, winning majority of our games. He is, of course, absolutely right. And and I'm not dogging him 
if he's talking communication on the court or even in advance of how are we all going to take it if, you know, for instance, James Harden takes 14 shots and Kyrie and KD get double. That's probably not going to be cool for the whole season, so they're going to have to communicate about that if Harden wants more. In fact, this was the first game in 300-something that James Harden didn't have a field goal in the first half. He was going to be shut out, if not for some free throws down the end there of the first half. So that kind of communication is key. But more importantly, of course, is communication with Kyrie. And I don't say that lightly. I think we can all accept that there's a lot going on around Kyrie that we probably don't understand. But instead of just calling guys that that, that bail or, or aren't available or don't communicate well jerks, these days we try to get to the bottom of what's causing them to be self-sabotaging, of what's causing them to make decisions and choices that don't align with what we think makes sense. And so with Kyrie, we will continue to wonder about a lot of those things because in his return, he was pretty flippant in his answers to a lot of questions, including did you know you were breaking protocol, going to a birthday party maskless indoors with a bunch of people? Did you communicate with your teammates while you were out and your coach? He didn't really feel like answering those questions. Is he answering them behind the scenes to his teammates? Communication's an interesting word because I think that's the thing that has most bedeviled Kyrie Irving throughout his career. He feels misunderstood. He thinks he's communicating, and what we're getting on the other side of it is not always what he intended, or so it seems. So, yeah, communication's going to be interesting. The other thing is defense, right? Like I said, this is a Cavs team that has the worst offensive rating in the NBA, but they shot over 51% from the field, 50% from three-point range. They ended the game on a 23-8 and run. Colin Sexton, who's been great and a guy you keep your eye on despite not being on a great team, had 20 straight points by himself for his uh, part of his 42-point performance. And that defensive side is, of course, where our eyes will go. And Jay Williams on KJ and Z this morning said as much. This doesn't really concern me, them losing a game, right? Uh, LeBron James, D-Wade, Chris Bosh, they lost their debut. Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, they lost their debut. The only thing that's kind of concerning is that they gave up 147 points. And that's the one thing we're going to be paying attention to as it relates to this team. We know they can outscore people. We know they can, you know, go on 20-0 runs. They have the scoring power to do so. But their ability to get stops down the stretch, who's going to be that guy? Who's that guy that you say, go get him, Colin Sexton. Go get, go get Colin Sexton and stop him. That, that's going to be the question. 147 points against one of the worst offensive teams in the league. That's concerning. It is concerning, and that's the thing that takes time to gel. I think Kevin Durant can be a great defender. I think he's undersold in that arena a lot of times. But as he continues to come back from that Achilles, we'll watch how he develops there. And the other two, mainly Harden, I think. it's it's A lot of it's about effort, and a lot of it is about caring. And if they get to be at the point where they feel like they can compete and they can keep up with any team in the league, there's going to be a lot of good reason to care and to invest in that side of the ball. Um, interesting stats coming out of it. And again, small sample size, but James Harden, 108 touches. But like I said, only shot the ball 14 times, had 10 rebounds, had 12 assists, 21 points. So another triple double, his third, uh, sorry, only the third player with three, uh, multiple triple doubles in their first three games with the new team. So he's, he's the one who's facilitating surprisingly, despite getting the most touches. Durant had 90 touches, Kyrie Irving 88, and those guys shot twice as much. Kyrie Irving, 37 points on 15 to 28. Kevin Durant, 38 points on 12 of 25. 
That communication is going to be key because everyone's trying to figure out who's Batman, who's Robin, and who's the butler. And as Kendrick Perkins said, he thought Kyrie was going to be the butler, but it doesn't feel like he's going to back down for anyone. And so how will that play for these three guys? And, and will they be able to find moments and teams against which those roles alternate? And if not, you know, wait a couple months down the line and see how pleased guys are, even if they're getting W's. It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can get digital-only after parties and pre-parties and other content that you can't get on the radio. And, of course, you can hear all the segments that you might have missed. Uh, I think there's a lot to look at with last night and with just since Harden arrived on this team to be positive about. But, again, so much of it is what do they what do they look like three months from now? Kyrie Irving, when he's on the court, I trust him that he wants to win just as much as anybody. I trust him that he's focused and he's interested in the game and he's going to give you beautiful basketball. But when he steps off of it, there is now always a question about whether he will be just as invested in that next week, next month, next year. And that's okay if he wants to prioritize something else. But that doesn't mean that it's a, a, an easy thing for his teammates and that team and even the fans to know whether or not he's going to show up any given Sunday or Tuesday or Monday since it's the NBA. Coming up, back to any given Sunday in the NFL. Can the Bills shock the world with a win? We'll get to somebody who I'm sure has got all their fingers and toes crossed for that to happen. It's next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Solo Spain action on a Thursday night, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Hopefully Fitz back tomorrow. It's Spain and Fitz here. We're presented by Progressive Insurance Guest joining me on the Goodyear Hotline tonight and joining me now, someone with a very vested interest in Sunday's AFC Championship, former NFL linebacker who predominantly played with the Buffalo Bills, Cornelius Bennett. Cornelius, thanks for the time. Hey, hey, thanks for having me on, Sarah. Five Super Bowls, four of them with the Bills, and we all know how that went back in the day. How difficult is it to put your hopes and your and your your positivity into this year's Bills team. Do you carry over anything from your time with them? Well, I, the one thing is um, I was telling my son um, that um, I, I definitely don't believe in law of averages no more. But, you know, seeing that Kansas City won last year, I feel as though it's that time. And, and I truly feel like if, if we make it to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, Buffalo definitely had the chance of winning the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm optimistic. I guess the best way to put it, but I don't believe in a lot of, you know, in a lot of averages or anything like that. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to Buffalo winning the Super Bowl. Hey, I don't blame you for that. After what y'all have been through, we we hear a lot about the quote unquote Bills Mafia and the table jumpers and the mm-hmm. good stuff that they do charitably. Um, obviously, Bills fans have been passionate for a long time. But what do you remember most about them back when you were playing and making those Super Bowl runs? Um, how hard they made it for opposing teams, you know, coming in that stadium and their loyalty. Um, you know, it's blue-collar town. Um, they, they lost some, some bruises. Uh, you know, we're a blue-collar football team with a great coach. And, and, and I see very, you know, the similarities right now again. You know, the, the, the city is thriving. You know, with the Pagulias taking over an ownership there and great coach, a great young coach, uh, and, and a team that's playing together. So all of that just fits into everything about Buffalo. 
five-time Pro Bowler Cornelius Bennett with me here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. Josh Allen, an interesting cat. I've been a fan of him since he came into the league, despite the fact that he sometimes makes some pretty boneheaded plays and you're not really sure what's going through his mind. A lot fewer of those this season really matured and took a step into uh, the next tier. What do you see when you're watching Josh Allen? And you hit the nail on the head, and I like the fact that you call him a cat. I, I use that term <laughs> quite a lot with the younger guys. and uh, But, yeah, he's uh, he's matured tremendously. And, and I think um, Stefan had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, you know, them getting together and getting to know each other soon after the trade was done, I think kind of put him at ease. I think he had so much pressure, weight on his shoulders, you know, coming into Buffalo with all the expectations, you know, the hype, and then just the, the whole Bills Mafia thing on top of that as well. I think, you know, he was trying to do more than he was capable of doing at a particular time or whatever, and then to have a, a true number one receiver come in and to give him, you know, what he needed uh, so, that he had, so that he doesn't have to go out and try uh, to be a world beater. He can go out and just be, you know, the, the, the quarterback that, we all hope he could be, and he's, and he's proven that. And such a fun relationship. Those two guys really dig each other. Yeah, And man. it's nice yeah. to watch. Yeah. Um, it, on the defensive it, it side. Is, um, Go ahead. It's, yeah. it's, very, it's very reminiscent of, 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 again, when we were there, um, the closeness. I, I say over and over again, you know, dealing with, with, with young athletes now, the relationship in the locker room definitely carries over to the football field. And and, and you could tell that with the closeness that they have, um, those guys uh, really enjoy each other's company, and, and it shows on, on Sunday. It's Spade and Fed Solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio. Cornelius Bennett, former NFL linebacker, spent a lot of time with the Bills, three-time three time first-team All-Pro. You were obviously on the defensive side. When you look at this Bills defense, the, the playoffs actually went the opposite of what you might have expected against a sort of shaky, not great Colts offense. They gave up 472 yards. And then against an absolutely insane Ravens offense that, of course, lost Lamar Jackson, which is huge. Uh, they gave up only 220 yards, 10 points. What did you see from those first two weeks, and how can they be more consistent going forward? Well, the Colts game, I, I, I don't know if it was just, um, you know, playoff. I don't know, jitters or whatever. I don't know what you you know, whatever you want to call it or whatever. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, you you, you do whatever it takes to get the job done and you, know, you wanna win a football game and of course the stats are there for people who enjoy stats or what have you, all the fantasy football stuff or whatever. But as a player, you know, you do whatever it takes to win a football game. I come to mind right now the twenty nineteen loss to to the Giants in the Super Bowl. It, to me it could have been this, you know, fifty to 19, you know, because we didn't get enough points to win the football game. So it's always about at the end of the day that you get the W, and, and I'm sure that's how, the, you know, that's how the, the players feel in Buffalo right now. Spain and Fitz talking to Cornelius Bennett, former Bill, ahead of the AFC Championship game this Sunday. Do you have plans to watch the game? We've all been really limited. We can't go to our favorite bar. We can't get together with a ton of friends. Uh, so do you have any special things that you put together on, on a game day? No, I just... I won't, you know, believe I, I like the house quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so my wife and I, we're empty nesters, so that's, that's normally, that's typical for us, and, you know, quiet house. 
But uh, you know, I'll sit in with the group of guys that I that I have my little Twitter fest with. Um, you know, my teammates from Buffalo. But we don't tweet. We we uh, you know, message each other. We have our little little crew, and uh, so we'll go to and fro. Uh, I don't know which one is going to the game. I don't know. Last week I saw Thurman dancing. <laughs> His daughter posted on Twitter he was dancing. So, but, but we all communicate and, and have a good time, and that's what we'll do. You know, Jim, Jim, come on. Uh, looking forward to them going to Tampa. I'm hoping to get an invite if they do go. Yeah. They're going to have limited seats. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it yeah. will be limited. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I do love hearing about the Bills and all their text messages to each other and the way you guys still communicate. It's, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Well, enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks so much for giving us some time, Cornelius. Hey, thanks for having me on, and go Bills. Former Bills standout Cornelius Bennett with us here on Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Small business protection just got easier. With more than 30 coverage options available, Progressive has you covered. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Down to just one head coaching vacancy in the NFL. Who's going to fill it, and what do we make of the hiring so far? We'll get into all of it next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Speaking of snacks... My next guest admitted to the occasional snack accident, and then decided to stop stacking and hit the bike. Now he's got stories uh, with him, you know, sun's out, guns out, writing about his Peloton habit. We're going to get into that and lots of NFL news that Spain and Fitz. Solo Spain tonight, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Joining me now, ESPN NFL reporter Dan Graziato, or should I say star of at Bicycling Magazine, which I have not heard of, but Bicycling.com has done a feature on Dan, who said he liked to snack a little too much, decided to hit the Peloton, and 324 days later, or is the number higher now, Dan, consecutive days that you have done a Peloton workout? I mean, let's think. It was 304 at the end of the year, so what's today? The 21st, so I guess 325 as of today. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been good. It's been... uh, it's it's been good. I, I was I was overweight. Yeah, you know, the season puts weight on you. Like you travel, right? You're eating in press boxes and in airports and hotel room service, and you're like, you know. And then you, the workouts slip, and all of a sudden you wake up, and you know, at the end of February, you're like, geez, like who's this fat guy in the mirror? So uh, it was definitely time. And, and last year was some. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm sure people put weight on during the quarantine. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a story about being someone who went the other direction, and uh, I mean, it, it was it was a pretty good success story. So it was fun that they they asked about it, and we did it, and maybe somebody read it and and got inspired. You get any funny responses to to you know wearing your tank top in a magazine and, and, and it was showing just, off the guns? I was glad that yeah, I was glad that yesterday was you know arms and shoulders day. When we <laughs> took the picture, so that, that that actually worked out really nice. But uh, but no, it, it, it was you know, it was it was, it was fun. Nice to, uh, nice to, to pop up in a little different platform. Yeah, I uh, I did the yeah. smart thing, and I, I I knew that people would get on the Peloton craze and then not use it and then sell it for cheaper. So I so have just gotta, I have just received one. mine from my friend who said uh, I didn't use it as much as he thought. So I got I got the I got the deal. It is set up um, today was when I set up. So um, you know if you okay. got any tips for me, I'm 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 looking at your favorite instructors yeah. and. And I'm reading the story, so I think I'm going to be ready to go soon. I'm going to be joining you on probably not 325 days straight. I don't know how you do that with your schedule. That, <laughs> well, that seems well, impossible. The streak becomes the motivation, right? Like, yeah, for sure. You, they asked, like, what's the motivation for keeping up the streak? I was like, the streak. 
Like, I don't want to stand now, so <laughs> yeah. I'll do a 20-minute ride or whatever, whatever just to get something done. Very impressive. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, Peloton supermodel, with us here on Spain and Fitz. <laughs> Let's talk about these coaching hires. Um, admittedly, Sirianni, not a name I had heard a lot of and certainly not one I had heard in conversations around head coaching gigs. Were you surprised when the Eagles made that announcement? No, well, no, because th- this morning I woke up to some text that said, "Hey, you know, the Eagles are calling around about Sirianni. Apparently, it's real serious. They really like him." Now we had heard the same thing about Josh McDaniels there a couple days ago, but it was true. I mean, this is, I guess, how the Eagles operate. When they 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 like a guy, they start trying to gather opinions on him and see, you know, if they can, which is smart. I mean, basically vetting somebody. But so I, I knew it was a possibility. I still thought McDaniels was in the mix, and we had heard that Todd Bowles was still getting some support there. But obviously, the Tuesday interview with Sirianni went very well. And look, this is a guy that he's worked under Frank Reich in two different places in San Diego for the Chargers and, and in Indianapolis. So, you know, you put the pieces together, right? Like, the, Wentz needs to be fixed. Wentz was good under Frank Reich when he was in Philly. Well, you can't get Reich. So we get Reich's guy, and maybe maybe he speaks Carson, and uh, and we can get this thing put back together. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Now Sirianni's a guy that you know you hear his name every now and then when these coaching cycles come up, but I don't think he had really gotten a serious look from a team until just now. So I had been told early in the Eagles search process that they weren't going to be frightened about hiring a guy too a year too early versus a year too late, right? Uh, so they see something in him and they're going to give him the shot. And, uh, and, uh, but I think a lot of it is keyed around the idea of he may be a guy that can help get Carson Wentz fixed. Solo Spain here tonight on Spain and Fitz. Dan Graziano with us on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. What are you hearing from the Texans? I mean, a, a completely dysfunctional mm-hmm. situation where it feels like even if at this point they extended an offer to Eric Bieniemy, we don't know for sure if he would <laughs> accept knowing the culture there and the concerns about the culture, and also whether it's too little, too late, considering how much it feels like Deshaun Watson is out. Are you hearing anything about the direction they might head in? Yeah, I mean, look, if, I'm, if I were in Eric Bieniemy's situation, which is to say I have a really good job as an offensive coordinator in Kansas City, and, and I were being offered the Houston Texans head coach job, I'd want some assurances that I'm going to be coaching Deshaun Watson, right? Like that would be that would be a question you'd have to answer for me in the affirmative before I said yes to your job. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see. The fact that it's not filled could indicate no job has been open longer, right? They were the first team to fire mm-hmm. their coach in season. So this is the job that's been open the longest. They've had the most time of anyone to find someone. The fact that they haven't could indicate that their candidate is on a team that's still playing, right? That could be Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs. It could be Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, who had an interview there that I understand went very well. So uh, maybe when the Chiefs-Bills game ends on, uh, on Sunday, we'll have some sense of it. But um, I, I, I've heard those two names. Uh, we've heard the name of, of Jim Caldwell, who was you know, the former uh, Colts and Lions coach who had an interview there early in the process. But I think it's possible that his interview was prior to the hiring of Nick Casario as GM. And, and that hiring kind of started a new cycle of interviews. So um, it's, it's possible they've moved past that. But uh, Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, was in there earlier this week. So, or last week, it all runs together. Um, but I, I think Leslie Frazier 
is a name to watch there for sure. And obviously the enemy, um, given everything that's going on around that situation and Deshaun Watson apparently was interested in him. Uh, so I wouldn't rule that out either. Spain and Fitz talking to Dan Graziano. Yeah, it's been so long since they fired Bill O'Brien. He's already re-employed in the Nick Saban yeah. Rehabilitation Center that is now Alabama, exactly. where, you go, where you go work and then find a new job afterwards. <laughs> the, the, the dry um, cleaners, yes. Yeah. You mentioned yes. Eric Bieniemy, and obviously there are conversations around race and that being one of the reasons he has not yet been offered a job. He does have a pretty legitimate rap sheet from years ago, uh, several different arrests. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Because you would think if that was a real sticking point, it would also be a sticking point for having a really high-level coordinator job in this league. Correct. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think there's, uh, yeah, you hear you hear rumblings that that's part of it. You know, you hear the old, oh, he hasn't, he's not blowing people away in interviews. You know, there's stuff you always hear on this guy. And I'm hesitant to, you know, to really to talk about it uh, on our platforms because some of it is, sort of just made up excuse stuff. And some of it isn't all that relevant. I mean, look, let's go back. To, and this isn't saying anything necessarily negative about this particular individual. Cause I don't, maybe, maybe it was false accusations, but remember when Matt Patricia got hired as the lions coach and a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff came out about him and stuff that happened in college. And I mean, he got to keep that job for three years. So yeah. it's not as if, and I'm not comparing anything. I'm not comparing the accusations against him to anything that the end. My point is negative stuff about his past came up and it was alarming uh, and yet he's still got to be a coach. So uh, I don't think that's a disqualifier when you talk about the enemy, but it's definitely something that has come up uh, in the discussion when you talk to people like, hey, why do you think this isn't happening? Because it, it seemed like everybody thought it would this time around. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, again, you 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 don't want to try to make excuses for what is a very clear trend in the NFL. It's something like 320-something hirings in the same time period, uh, just 40 of those going to black or brown coaches. There's obviously a problem there. Um, You also just wonder when someone's name is in the mix for so long in so many different places, what could possibly be the holdup when we have seen other men of color hired in different places? You know, what is it that allows a Brian Flores to get hired and not uh, an Eric Biennemi? So, you know, you want to keep diving in and understanding maybe just because shining a spotlight on it will will change that if it is something that's not a legitimate uh, reason. Dan, uh, appreciate the time. I'm sure we interrupted another ride. So uh, feel free to get back on no, the bike. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to stop the streak. Oh, so I try to get it done early. If I wait till after dinner, sometimes it's not uh, it's tough to get it. So, yeah, always, always try to get it earlier in the day and get it knocked out. Thanks, Sarah. I appreciate that it. That checks out. Hey, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Dan Graziano with us here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are going to get some more NFL talk coming up because if you haven't heard the best sound of the day, maybe the week, maybe the month, uh, we're going to get that to you, including the best reactions to it. That's right. On a solo Spain, I crowdsource some of the content uh, because that's... uh, it's uh, that's the way you do it sometimes. Uh, but coming up, we're going to get into the NBA. There was some more news today about postponements and sort of feeling like they basically park a team during a COVID outbreak until they can stop the spread, do the contact tracing and get them back out there. But the result is that some of these teams are looking at a second half with an incredible number of games. And you have to start to wonder, are these protocols working and are they fair? Coming up, an NBA player is going to tell us and come to Kyrie Irving's defense. Next on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Solo 
follow Spain with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. It's Spain and Fitz. Fitz will be back tomorrow. Got a lot of NFL goodies today, but there's a lot going on in the NBA, COVID-wise, games-wise, debut of the Nets trio-wise. So we're going to get some insight from a guy we love having on the show here, Cavaliers forward Larry Nance Jr. joining us now. And Larry, last time we talked to you, Uh, A lot of conversation about the bubble and your Crohn's disease being immunocompromised. How comfortable have you been uh, now playing and getting into a season without a bubble? Um, It's actually been all right. You know, the league is, uh, you know, doing a really good job of, you know, mandatory testing and, and, you know, all that type of stuff and all the precautions, you know, uh, uh, might be a little bit over the top. But, yeah, I'd rather say some sorry. So it's been uh, been good. It's been good. I've been – you know, pleasantly surprised thus far. You've been obviously open about having to deal with uh, medical issues that are, that are complicated around something like COVID. So I would imagine you more likely than maybe even other players are having conversations with teammates and guys around the league. Um, what are the conversations about it? Is is it mostly maybe these protocols are too much? This is annoying. Is it empathy for situations like what we've, we're seeing with Carl Anthony Towns and understanding how other people are affected by it or, or you know what do you what are you guys talking about? Um, well, first of all, it's you know it's it's the utmost empathy. You know, obviously there's there are you know a lot of people across the world uh, that are you know having you know having a really hard time of this. You know, their families and their their lives have been you know really affected by it, and so we're you know super empathetic to it. Um, but in terms of you know the things we talk about, you know, just with us is you know it's uh. You know, we get tested. We have three different kinds of tests a day. Um, you know, got to go go to the gym, uh, even on off days, twice a day to get tested. And, you know, it's one of those that we talk about. You know, we, we uh, you know, we complain, we complain within our, you know, <laughs> yeah. within our circle. You know, of course, you know, of course we're going to, you know, have our own opinions on that and stuff. But, you know, it's been, it's been good. Guys are understanding of why we have to, but at the same time, it doesn't make it easier to do so. Yeah, still tickles your eyeballs when you get that swab poked all the way up your head, uh, whether or not you know 100%. that you have to do it. <laughs> uh, Cavs exactly. Larry Nance sure. Jr. Uh, with us here on Spain and Fitz. Let's talk about last night. Colin Sexton, absolutely insane, out of his mind, double overtime in that win over the Nets. And obviously, just one regular season game, but how good does it feel for you guys to be able to look at that big three in their debut and say, ah, not yet, not giving you that W? No, it was great. It was great. You know, that's, um, you know, that's something that we, you know, we're, we're very proud of. You know, obviously that team is, is, a, is a championship contender. You know, they have, you know, without question, three of the top 20 players in, in the world. And, um, you know, it's a, you know, that, that's a big time victory for us in terms of our, you know, morale and, and uh, you know, you know, trying to show the league that, hey, you know, you know, this Cavs team is for real. You know, we're not uh, – you know, we weren't just an early season, you know, it got out to a good start. You know, we're, we're, we're very, you know, we're very real this year. And I think that was a, that was a really great stage for us to do it on. You talked about some of the work that Kyrie Irving's done uh, donating to families, to WNBA players who had to opt out of the bubble, uh, helping buy a home for George Floyd. He has done a ton of work, both politically and socially. Um, and, and you mm-hmm. came to his defense. Why was that meaningful to you in the, in the midst of the conversation about his absence? Well, I think, you know, a lot of the times all you see, you know, all we see on Twitter and Instagram and all the headlines and graphics talk about, you know, you know, a lot of, uh, 
the talking points. People, you know, you're going to get more clicks on an article that says, oh, Kyrie mispracticed versus uh, an article that says, oh, Kyrie bought, you know, bought a house for George Floyd's family. And that's just the nature of our, mm. um, that's just the nature of uh, media today. And I understand why they have to do that, you know, because it is about the clicks and it is about the reads and all that stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, a guy like that that's doing incredible things for um, so many people off the court, you know, that should be that should be written about too. That should be clicked on too. The the, the good stories, the feel good stories, should be you know as as interesting as you know as as the other side. So um, you know, anytime I see you know guys doing positive things off the court like that, I you know I. I want to commend them and and uh you know shine some light on it because you know it, it, especially now in a, in a time where uh people need to see see and hear some good things it's you know it's 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 nice to you know highlight some of the work that guys are doing yeah i agree with you and and also to understand that those things can happen concurrently right there can be confusion or lack of communication about his absence and questions about breaking protocol at the same time as you understand that he's doing incredible work i think sometimes people want to make people a monolith and, and there's so much complexity uh, there. We're talking to Larry Nance Jr., Cavs forward here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. You've been doing some awesome work as well. I know before the season started, you asked people to send you uh, items of apparel, T-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff from their favorite Cleveland businesses. Wear them before the game. Talk about them on your social media and then auction off your game jersey and the goods that you got uh, to help raise money for the for the community. How's that gone so far? What's been some of the highlights of, uh, of, of trying to pull that together? It's been uh, it's been awesome. You know, obviously we're 13 or 14 games into the season, and and you know jersey prices are still well over a thousand dollars. You know, they're being auctioned off at. So you know it's it's just awesome. The amount of support the community's come out and given these small businesses is is terrific. You know, we've got I'm you know I'm matching I'm matching the donation or you know whatever the jersey goes for. The Cavs you know agreed to match it as well. So. Um, and then, you know, these businesses are getting so much needed publicity. You know, I've been very fortunate to, you know, to, to get a platform like I have right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's important to use it for good. And so, you know, Cleveland is, you know, my community and uh, these people have been, you know, terrific to me. So, you know, I, I'd like to, you know, give back to them in, in any way that I can. Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80, talking to Larry Nance jr. Um, you know, I, I, I'm curious, we were talking about the protocols and there's there's a little bit of it that I understand, right? The idea of like just being stuck in your hotel room is is a lot. Um, what do you do in there? What do you, uh, do you have stuff that you binge watch? Um, do you call friends? Do you FaceTime people? How do you spend your time on the road? Um, a lot of video games is what most guys <laughs> are doing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you see a lot of guys traveling with their, you know, their little gaming systems and even sometimes traveling. We had Damian Dotson bring a whole computer screen on the road to he was carrying it from plane to bus, from bus to hotel. So, um, you know, not being able to go anywhere, not being able to go to a restaurant or go to eat with your friends in that city is um obviously not ideal, but again, we understand the situation and so guys are trying to make the best out of it. You know, I think uh, I've gotten quite a bit better at have my favorite video games, so you know there's a club. What's your favorite? Oh gosh, I'm a I'm a Call of Duty fan myself. I'm a Call okay. of Duty fan. Who's the best on the team? Like who's who's the guy that's that's whooping people in the when you all get together and play? Oh gosh, it's not even close. Um, we have Dylan Windler, one of our one of our second year guys. He he is he's 
like an actual professional gamer. Like he's really good. <laughs> he's got sponsorships. So, he does it on the weekend when you guys yeah, are playing. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the whole yeah, got the whole headphone deal and a controller deal and all that stuff. So he's uh, he's he's the best out of all of us. But you know, we're we always fight to see you know who can get Dylan on their team. Cavs forward Larry Nance Jr. with me here on Spain and Fitz. One of the reasons I like having you come on is because you seem really down to earth, especially for you know a famous professional athlete. And I like how in recent years. We've tried to understand athletes better, whether that's mental health or the human side of things or, you know, shouting down dumb stuff like he he makes enough money, he'll be fine anytime something disappointing or bad happens to someone. But I wonder where the line is on understanding the humanity of of the people that we watch and root for versus enabling them. And and I ask that in, in terms of the COVID stuff, because the way some people, I think, talk about you guys, it's it's how could we expect them to stay in their hotel. They're not going to do that. Meanwhile, we've all stayed in our houses for 10 months, right? Like the world is staying in. So I wonder, I wonder mm-hmm. how you see that. Do you think, because I think sometimes we've almost gone too far in terms of not like, I think it infantilizes you guys to act like you can't be adults who are expected to behave the same way the rest of the world is being asked to behave during this. No, I mean, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's gotta be joint accountability. You know, it's, you know, asking people, you know, our league has been at the forefront of, of all things positive social change um you know and that that includes the you know that includes all the mandates all the protocols all the mask wearing all the staying inside all all of that so so yeah you know me myself you know when i when i leave the gym i go home and i stay home until i need to go to the gym again you know it's it's um you know we're, we're at we're we're very fortunate to play the game that we play and and have the jobs that we have so yeah, you know, if if somebody were to come to me with, hey, you know, I think these rules are crazy and we should be allowed to do whatever we want, it's, you know, that would be my response is like, hey, you know, you can't, you know, you, you got to give, you got to give to get. And so, um, yeah, I mean, staying on the, is, is it is it hard to stay in a hotel room uh, for however long we're there? We're, not, we're there for two days, max, three days, max. For me, no, it's not difficult. But at the same time, like we've seen, you know, time and time again across the world and across the country, not everybody, um, not everybody seems to follow the rules that the rest of us do. Um, common sense doesn't always, you know, fall into the definition of common. And, <laughs> um, right. you know, there's always, out, there's always outliers. So you're going to get, you're going to get your guys that, that refuse to, you know, that refuse to follow protocol and all that, you know, that's just like you would in any kind of society. But, um, I think for the most part, guys are doing the right things and guys should be doing the right things. You know, we, uh, you know, we're all adults. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. We, we're all adults. We should, you know, we should follow the rules uh, just like everybody else's. Well, uh, I'm glad you have that extra hotel time to try to catch up to Dylan Windler. Do, do, get, get back at it. And maybe next time we have on, you'll be approaching him. Sounds good. I'll work on it. Thanks, Larry. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. No problem. Good stuff from Larry there. Love having him on. He's always honest about that stuff down to earth. Good uh, good to check in with him. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Coming up on Spain and Fitz, the best sound of the day, the month, maybe even the year, and your reactions to it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, solo tonight. Fitz will be back tomorrow. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast on the ESPN app, podcast app, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Sometimes we do some fun after-party and pre-party content you can only get as a subscriber, so make sure you check in. Rate, review, give us five stars. Tell us how much you love us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your family. Spain and Fitz, jump on board. Uh, Fitz, like I said, back tomorrow. We'll get you ready for the weekend of football. But while we're all looking ahead to those championships games, we're also looking at a lot of hirings in the NFL as the vacant head coaching gigs are getting snapped up. The Texans, the only team left to hire. Uh, And today we heard from the new Lions head coach. Last night, Fitz and I were going back and forth about uh, Fitz thinking it was a positive that they offered him six years, a sense of uh, time that he will be allowed to turn things around in Detroit. I said I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him in terms of being able to make a good hire. And so giving six years seems unnecessary and also just likely to end up with uh, Detroit uh, Lions paying a guy while they hire someone else. So I think there probably will be a couple years on the end of this contract. I don't know that for sure. We obviously have to see him coach. But today's introductory presser didn't do much for my confidence. And I understand it's just a bunch of words. Um, But there are plenty of examples of guys who showed up to that first day and gave you reason to worry. Adam Gase is one of them. Mark Tressman is one of them. You'd like to think that there is a presence, a leadership, a gravitas, a game plan, an attitude that you think will be a good fit for the place that they're arriving, a good fit for the team and the, and the players they're going to coach, and a sense that they are prepared and ready for this gig. And to me, Dan Campbell felt like he was talking to a high school team. It was a lot of cliches. It was a lot of hyperbole. It was pretty absurd. It was literally like the human incarnation of a barbell talking to you. Take a listen. This place has been kicked, it's been battered, it's been bruised, and I can sit up here and give you coach speak all day long. I can give you, uh, you know, hey, we're going to win this many games. I can't, but none of that matters, and you guys don't want to hear it anyway. You've had enough of that, so excuse my language. All right, here's what I do know, is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city, all right, and this city's been been down, and it found a way to get up. All right, it's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right, and so this team's going to be built on. Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right, and, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you before. Before long, where are they going to be the last one standing? All right, that's going to be the mentality. So here's the thing. I actually had fewer people in my menchies after today's Around the Horn and the earlier segment we did on this telling me that how could I possibly know as a woman I've never played football, which is wrong because I played a lot of flag football, and that is clearly exactly the same as playing professional. Uh, but I had fewer than I thought, but I did get some. And I, I, I want to word this right because I don't want to be condescending. But I do think that someone that hears that presser and thinks that they're sold, I want to run through a wall for this guy, this guy's going to change things, probably doesn't really get what wins professional football games. Maybe it will. Maybe Dan Campbell, I'm sorry, maybe the dude will surprise us all. But to me, this is artifice. This is performative. This is the idea of what it means to coach this sport. When in fact, the successful people are brilliant minds, strategists, people who know how to bring disparate parts together and disparate personalities together and get them to gel and create something that goes out and plays a brutal sport 
that does involve just about anything right up until but not including kneecap biting. And they figure out how to do it in a way that outsmarts the rest of them. And Dan Campbell might do that. We don't know yet. But the idea that you could hear that and think that you're sold on him taking a franchise that's one of the losingest and most disappointing, that's that's wild to me. That that sounds meatheaded to me. That Coach Barbell up there talking about biting kneecaps has you sold and has you telling me that my reaction to it being absurd and comical is anything other than understandable and accurate. I guess we'll all find out what happens, but I am certainly not alone in responding to this with a pretty strong reaction. Some of the best things I saw today on social media in reaction to that Dan Campbell sound was uh, just a clip from uh, It's Always Sunny that said, those aren't ideas as much as they are random acts of violence. That about sums it up. Uh, At Masher2112, 10 minutes early is two hours late. We're going to get ejected and smile at the ref while it happens. Then we're going to take one of their kneecaps, eject us again, and we'll put a banana in your exhaust, unless you have a dual exhaust, and then we'll use two bananas. At H-Town Dark Knight, why does he keep getting knocked down? Good question. Why is your team getting knocked down so much? I don't want to count, but I think your team's getting knocked down five or six times, right in a row. And you keep taking their kneecaps, and it's not slowing them down. What are they knocking you down with? I, I refer you back to Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the Dark Knight. <laughs> I mean, the Black Knight. Uh, he didn't have any arms or legs. and he, It was just a flesh wound. It sounds like you could be fighting him and you'd still get knocked down. You might need to look into that, coach. Got a lot of Army Hammer references. And if you don't understand that, just Google why Army Hammer and biting someone's kneecaps and taking out a hunk might be <laughs> might be a thing that people immediately think of. Listen again. This is, I am the first to tell you that grades on draft day are silly. And I certainly wouldn't tell you that we know what kind of success Dan Campbell is going to have in Detroit based solely on a minute or so of remarks on opening day. But the idea that this is what we need in professional football and this is going to be the answer, man, I wish someone had just thought about being tough. You know what he is? He's a, he's an innovator. He he wants his team to be physical. That's going to be the difference. He wants his team to get knocked down and get back up. Thank goodness someone's finally bringing this kind of ideology and innovation to the NFL. Nah, it's pretty silly. It's really silly. And I don't think it's going to work on professional players, grown men who want to hear about the game plans and the offense and the strategy and how you're going to dig out of the hole the Lions have been stuck in. Not someone who's going to tell you he's going to bite off a couple knee kneecaps. That's just me. But again, I'm, I, I am, I'm wholly unqualified. I've never put my hand in the dirt and I have never put my incisors in a kneecap. So I guess we'll wait and see. Good luck to Dan. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.